An award-winning family-owned business with exceptional diamonds, engagement rings, jewelry, and timepieces, Continental Diamond is the jeweler Minnesota adores. In St. Louis Park or online at ContinentalDiamond.com. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Tailgate. We have an amazing one this week. Roy Wood Jr., you know him from The Daily Show. He's got a bunch of specials on Comedy Central. He's one of my favorite comics. He is fantastic. Uh, He's a Dolphins fan originally, so we talked to him a little bit more generally about the NFL and a bunch of stuff. And then we had another buddy of mine, uh, a great comic from Cincinnati, Alex Schubert, on at the end of the show to talk about the Bengals specifically. So you get a little bit of everything in this episode, Uh, Roy Wood Jr., and then a game preview And by the way, if you are a fan of Roy, like I am, he's going to be in Minneapolis Friday, February 9th at the Fillmore. They just added a show because tickets are going fast. Uh, He's absolutely one of my favorites to watch. You got to go check it out. Uh, Enjoy the show, everybody. Y'all know what time it is. Hey, we got to go, man. We got to go. Let's go. Showtime. Hey everybody, we are joined by the great Roy Wood Jr., lifelong Dolphins fan. Hello, Roy. Hello. <laughs> I hate to start with this. Uh, Monday was insane. The Dolphins are the most interesting team in the league to me. Don't say it like that. You're trying to be kind because I'm wearing a Dolphins jersey. There's a lot. Of, this whole That whole weekend was a lot of... You're ten and three, but it seems like you could be seven and six if you start looking at yes. But like they did with the Eagles, they started looking. I don't know if you saw the stat that came out, the point differentials with the Eagles. Like, yeah, they've won a bunch of games, but they've all been close. And when they lose, they lose. Yes. <laughs> Whereas the Dolphins, it was all the argument had been up until this point that oh, you only beat soft teams, you don't step up to play. You when like the Eagles came in and pimp slapped you, like you've been. You've been you've been slapped around a couple times and then a Titans team who you should have beaten, you lost to. So now who's the real 10 and four, you know, like are you're, you're a division leader, but are you a playoff team? So I think there's definitely some questions, but I think the questions for the Dolphins are more so on defense than than often they're that that's that thing that shouting people on sports shows do this time of year, the pretender contender conversation. Yeah. And. I think the Dolphins have been made like the poster child of that conversation, but I think you're right. Is they icy or spicy? The icy or spicy? Which one you think, Jimmy Jerry? <laughs> yeah, are you are you getting? Is this team a fraud or are you giving them the nod? It's, <laughs> it's insanity. Hey, can we get a former a 290 pound former head coach? Who hasn't who hasn't taken a breath near a football stadium in eighteen <laughs> or nineteen years, and have him scream about why your favorite team is untrustworthy? <laughs> but it's it's all the teams though. Every you guys got made into the poster child, but like the Chiefs, the Brown, all these the the league is weird, man. Right now, I'd say I mean even the Niners took a took a took a heavy loss. Um, I hate to admit that the Cowboys might be the realest of the double-digit win teams mm-hmm. right now in terms of the least amount of questions considering who, you know, who I need to pull up who they lost to. But, like, when they win, they win, and they beat teams that were supposedly supposed to be good. 
the Dolphins, I think, also part of it, though, if I'm being honest, I think a lot of it is also you're just happy for Tua. Mm-hmm. You're happy to see a guy who deserves a chance to play well and have weapons out there on the field as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, yeah, the Dolphins are good. And then, you know, you can make the argument, oh, they beat the Broncos, was it 70? The Broncos have kind of turned it around since that time. Yes. Literally, that was the, it almost, that looked, you remember after that game, they're like, we should sell the Broncos, <laughs> get sell all them, sell everything in the building. But that almost, they almost went the complete opposite direction than what everybody thought they would do after yeah. that moment. And that same shout and show, Johnny Jammy, at this point, the Broncos, <laughs> is they smoking or is they joking? Oh, man, after they lost to the Dolphins, they joking. Fast forward to this week. I've always told you the Broncos been smoking. They always like, hypocrite. You don't remember the shit you said in October when they got blown out? Yeah, we should do, we should do, God, I would love, uh, uh, are they smoking or are they joking? Uh, where are they now? Could I just get, could somebody just cut together every uh, fraud or nod take from early in the season and just yeah. superimpose it into a singular bit? That would be yeah, great. That's great, dude. I, I would love, I've always said that if a sportscaster predicts the game wrong, he should not be allowed on air the following week. Yeah. It does feel sometimes like we live in a repercussionless society. <laughs> when it comes and that's that's the great uh that is the great thing we live in america we get to have our opinions but every once in a while you turn on a sports show and you're like i don't know there has to be if we can suspend a guy for making a horse collar tackle i think we could suspend a guy for what he said on first take this morning yeah but they'll never do it because that's the controversy it's all clicks you know it is what it is man i I, in the AFC, I don't think Kansas City is going to do it this year. The receivers have let Mahomes down repeatedly, repeatedly. And then you want to show confidence in them and not make any moves. But it's like, ah, shit, man. You got, I, I, Do you think now, do you think the trade deadline is still too early in football? Mm-hmm. I do. I think it's week six. Did they extend it because we play 17 now? I don't know if they pushed the trade deadline a week, but I still think the trade deadline should be like week 10. Week 10. That's exactly right. There's a reason it comes after the all-star break. And the, like, if you're trying to, which I, I, I like, I think there are traditionalists who are like, I don't want the get rid of it. Like they don't want to see the NFL go the way of the NBA, but I'm a huge NBA guy. And I think a lot of the things that the NBA does I would love to see them come the way of the NFL. And like I'm a diehard Timberwolves fan, lifelong Timberwolves fan, one of the most, you know, disastrous organizations in professional sports. And now, like right now, we have it. Ant is a superstar. Cat is a beast. This Gobert thing, despite me walking around town shouting at strangers about how bad of an idea it was it's working it's working and so and now i go as an nba fan i go okay i've got this chance and i know what the trade deadline means and i think that would be really interesting you know like you take the dolphins for example like you guys week 10 week 10 you know where you're at it's a lot harder to know where you're at in 
week six, week seven, stuff like that. Correct. You still making adjustments off of the first couple of games. And so the receivers didn't like it, it wasn't like drop city until around week six, seven, eight, where it started costing them games. Like you see a drop yes. or two early, but you're winning. So it's like, hey, man, no big deal. And then it gets a little deep into the season you're going, all right, we looked at the tape. You lined up offsides four or five other times, not just <laughs> on the game winning lateral that got called back. That's it's that is the one that has been the most interesting to watch. You know, the the hip, the the offsides with the Chiefs, the hypocrisy around what happened in the in the Super Bowl. Uh, but I, I think the the more interesting story there is, and I'm curious what you think because you love Tua and Tua's about to Tua's about to get he's gonna get paid in some regard. I think even as great as Mahomes is, when these guys get paid and as they should, rooting for guys to get paid. But when they do, it changes the... The NFL is a math equation. We talk about that on the show a lot. It it just becomes really interesting. Even the great Patrick Mahomes, like, you are sitting there going, oh, man, is it is it ridiculous that we think you need a Juju Smith? Like, the things that you'd be grabbing for, you don't even need a Coke. You'd take a, an RC Cola right now for yeah. him. I what I what I really hope, man, is that as the league continues to grow, that you you have to do something to make the competition better because it's hard to see teams that are bad turn it around. That's what makes the Broncos so interesting. Mm-hmm. Is that for the most part, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, most NFL teams are what they are by around week. 10 to 12. So if you're a flirting with 500 ass team, that's what you're going to be. You're not going to go on a six game skid, but it's rare for anybody to go on a six to eight game winning streak either Mm -hmm. and bash their way into the playoffs. You could be that mid-level. You could be like an eight and eight, nine and seven ass team like the Steelers were in that wild card year where they won with Jerome Bettis. Get get into the playoffs as a six seed, and then run that bitch all the way to the Super Bowl. And it's like, okay, you make the adjustments, but they were never an overly dominant team. That were, The Colts were favored in the game that they beat them in, in that yep. first round. So, which also, Jerome Bettis, it, it, ben, it, nobody talks about how Ben Roethlisberger saved Jerome Bettis' legacy. Yeah. Like, that was his last year, and he fumbled, like that. <laughs> that is, that is a, there's a deep dive. You're absolutely right. Jerome Bettis is, there would be a whole different narrative around that dude in his career had that not happened. It would be, it wouldn't be Scott Norwood level, you're a pariah, but it would be impossible to talk about him without talking about the playoff fumble that cost the Steelers. The, the, mm-hmm. But I, I just really think that, Doing whatever you can to increase the competition a little bit, I think is a good thing. I do, and I'm probably in the minority on this. I Because they're only at any given time in the league, there's only 10 reliable quarterbacks out of 30 teams. Yeah. I feel like teams are now forced to pay players too much too soon. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you're stuck with a bunch of cap space that you've got to deal with for years and years the the amount of guys who've won titles on either rookie deals or second year deals that weren't 
as big as these monster deals they get later in their careers, right? It's Russ, Aaron Rodgers won early, Roethlisberger won early, and won on a second contract. It's and on and on. Everybody except Brady, who took hilarious pay cuts for his entire career to build those giant rosters, you know? Flacco, was that the end of his second deal? Yeah. Going into the third payday? That's the thing now. If you're viewed as, oh, we might have a guy here. We might have a guy, give him all the, he's got to get the money that the other guys get. You know, that's the Daniel Jones thing. You have no choice. You have no choice. You have to pay Joe Flacco, even if you deep down feel like, all right, he was good enough to get us to the Super Bowl based on the system, but he wasn't a guy that was going to just throw for 450 every single week, which is what you would expect a guy to get paid what Flacco got paid or Joe Burrow in this instance now, who's gotten a, a super duperia. I live here. It's about to get weird here. You have no choice because what do you do if you don't pay Josh Allen or Burrow? What's the alternative? I think it's uh, like I, I'm a broken record on this. It's just football's a math equation to me. And I, I don't even like with the money some wide receivers are getting now. You go, OK, well, then what comes off the board somewhere else? And you have to I think I don't think it's ever going to happen. But I'm curious if you ever because analytics are changing in the way teams are built. Like who's the who's the GM coach combo that's going to come in and go, all right, here's the deal. We are going to draft a quarterback every single year in the middle rounds, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. We're going to target somebody every year. We're always going to have a journeyman. Josh Dobbs, Nick Mullins, you know, Joe Flacco late in his career, uh, Gardner Minshew, the gas station goat, like any of those guys, mm -hmm. we're going to have one of those dudes on the roster and whoever wins that job, we're going to give it to him. We're going to keep that quarterback room money really low. We're going to build this monster team like the Eagles with Jalen Hurts before he got that money versus after with that defense. So who's right. who's going to be the one that goes, we will give a young guy a job. And unless he's Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Aaron Rodgers, unless we go, this is a Hall of Famer that elevates everybody. We're going to cut him loose. And if he goes somewhere else and plays great, we're going to eat it. We're just always going to have a great roster that cycles through. I mean. Brock Purdy's going to get him there. And I don't know if that's because he's great or if he's great and cheap. 262nd pick overall, <laughs> Brock Purdy. And he's going to get paid. And he should get paid. And, mm -hmm. who, and he replaced Garoppolo, who was a second-round pick in New England, who they figured would be the guy to take over after Brady retired. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that never came to. But... God, who was the other one? Was it Matt Castle that came out of New England too? Matt Castle, Matt Castle came out and and did some stuff. Yeah, he wound up here in Minnesota for a little bit. I think, and and Castle was two hundred and thirtieth overall by the Patriots. So what you're saying is that you take the Patriots approach. You have a journeyman like a Cousins or a Flacco mm -hmm. who just comes in and he'll get you eight wins, and you hopefully get two more from your two more wins from your defense. And you just keep drafting $1 scratch offs mm -hmm. in the fourth through seventh rounds, mm -hmm. knowing that one of those goddamn $1 quarterback scratch offs is going to pay $50,000. Sooner or later, you're going to get a, you're going to get a Brock Purdy. You're going to get a six round Brady. That's what you're saying. The strategy should be for Vikings. And I'll double down on it because I, I, because Brady took those pay cuts every year. There's some outrageous stat where like, no, only in the last 23 years, 
only twice has a quarterback making more than 12.5% of their salary cap won the Super Bowl. It's Brady one year and it's Mahomes last year. Mm. So I, I think there's this huge skewed data set because Brady was smart to do what he did. And now you live in this world where I like, I think that parody you're talking about, we're like, oh, the Chiefs, they're missing a wide receiver, right? The Ravens, the Ravens can't quite put it all together. The Browns, they go and spend all this money on a quarterback and it's not work. like there's just this parody that exists that I think while you're waiting for the lottery winner, like you're hoping to scratch a big one off. I think if you build your roster right, you might also sneak your way into something. You might go, oh, shit. Did Gardner Minshew, did Josh Dobbs, did... And I know people are going to be like... I'm talking about two guys who haven't had great runs here. But I think great roster right now is winning in the NFL. I, 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 and if you get Joe Burrow, hell yeah, give Joe Burrow every cent you have. But what are your standards for paying a dude? I don't... Yeah. I mean, you look at... Dude, you, you live in New York... You watch Daniel Jones get get a bunch of money. Good for him. But then you watch this, <laughs> this Italian insanity here, like <laughs> with Tommy DeVito. Out. I mean, it's the most fun in the world. And you also go, oh my gosh, what if Tommy DeVito can do anything? And he's not like blowing, you know, the stat book up. But like, what if he can do that and you build a team around him? So I, I'm fascinated by the math of it. That's such a New York name to DeVito. <laughs> it's just a Tom. It's got Tommy, Tommy DeVito. <laughs> the amount of pride that and New Yorkers, I can just, I just know they're walking the streets with right now, like they did it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's good. I think it's good when a city has a player that matches the mentality. Yeah. Of the like. This is not a different sport, but Bryce Harper playing for the Phillies, it's perfect. He's bearded. He's kind of an asshole. He never smiles. That's Philadelphia. Like, <laughs> I, I, I like you, but I'm not going to smile for you. Yeah. And if you disrespect me, bro, we could go right now wherever you want to. Like, he's staring at people <laughs> as he's rounding the bases. <laughs> like, there was a sports writer who said, um, we love, I think it was a Philadelphia sports writer who said that we love Jalen Hurts, but man, Brock Purdy would be the king of the city. And, you know, everybody took it as disrespect to, to Jalen and, mm -hmm. oh, it's racist. And you're just saying a white man would get more love than a black man. And I'm like, well, it's, it's Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he might be telling the truth, man. It's like that old Bill Burr rant where he said, "Yeah, y'all have a statue of Rocky, and he's not even a real person, but Joe Lewis is actually from here, and you won't give yeah. him a statue." <laughs> yeah, that should be that would be a fun league. If all of a sudden we just scrambled all the quarterbacks, we're like, "All right, nobody has a quarterback anymore. We're gonna scramble them all, and we're gonna develop a committee that goes. We're gonna pick." which quarterback's personality most fits your city and we're going to ship them there. Yeah. And there's actually some ones that that match pretty well. I got to tell you, I think I think Kirk Cousins probably Kirk Cousins is eating casserole and hot dish <laughs> with a lot of a lot of families and fitting in fine. Justin Herbert and that hair makes the only place he makes more sense than in Los Angeles is where they used to be, San Diego. There's a few of them 
that really, really makes sense already. Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, he's got a rugged blue yes. collar look to him. Like, like I, I, to me, a quarterback fitting in, the question is, could you picture that quarterback working a regular job in that town? <laughs> Lamar Jackson looks like he worked a shift at a factory sometimes. <laughs> like, just disheveled and just, you got to get these kids up, man. God damn it, man. Just... <laughs> stressed out. Tua looks like one of those people in Miami where you, I don't know how you make your money. Yes. Like you ever see people like that out in public just on a random day? And I'm like, it's work hours. Yeah. What do you do? Miami, Miami's like Vegas. Like why are all these people not at work? Yeah. <laughs> He's got that. I could, my money could come from some sort of combination of DJ TikTok. <laughs> like there is... <laughs> He's got that. If his hair was just a little higher, you'd be like, you're in a music industry that I don't understand currently. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a new technology thing. And the way you monetize is that you get the digi points and then you take the digi points and you yeah. invest those. It's like beyond crypto. And then they just mumble the word blockchain. <laughs> and then I tune. Anytime I hear the word blockchain, I just tune out. I know it's important. <laughs> But I just I don't. four hours later, you're just Googling Digi Wallet, still not understanding anything from the conversation. Yeah. It's like, what the f is this? I got to tell you, Dak Prescott, a human man named Dakota, like playing that that one. And I know I know it's funny that Dakota is an actual state and it would make sense. But I don't know. Dak fits in. Sometimes I think Cowboys. It was fun to have. uh Tony Romo there because he was one of the few Cowboys quarterbacks who didn't walk up to the podium like, hey, y'all. And I know they don't talk like that, but they all have that swagger like, I got guns on my hips. I'm a cowboy. Yeah. It's very weird how that organization engulfs a personality. Trevor Lawrence doesn't feel like a Jacksonville guy. He's loved there and he loves the team and he's talking this shit. But just yeah. on if I saw just a picture of Trevor Lawrence, I would not guess Jacksonville. Yeah. The hair the hair flows too nicely. Yeah, they you'd have to guess. Did you hear Portland started a football team? Yeah. I'll tell you one two that fit in, and maybe it's because they're so iconic now you can't imagine them anywhere else. But Marino in Miami. Yes. Because Marino was fun and just happy. He matched the vibe of the city. Looks like he wears a sport coat with a t-shirt. That's what Marino looks yeah, like. Yeah, but he really does. You see him in Skecher commercials and shit. Like, he looks, he looks like that dude. Mm -hmm. Then there's Drew Brees in New Orleans, who you can look at Drew Brees and just go, yeah, that guy's got black friends. You got to in New Orleans. <laughs> Like, like the white black dynamic, it's like that city. The racial dynamic is very communal where you're seen as a New Orleanian first and your race second. Like, yeah, that's what I've gleaned from New Orleans. So, yes, he's a he's a white boy that I, I could see him kicking it with black folks at some second line and him being perfectly accepted with his family and his kids and it not be he. He doesn't look like he would feel out of place around other races. That's a really great take on New Orleans. And I, I wonder, because I've only been there, performed there, spent time there post-Katrina. So I wonder how much that cohesion and that like community and that we're New Orleans first, I wonder how much of that 
I mean, that's certainly not a football podcast topic. Like Detroit's another one of those. Yes. You're from Detroit first and then you can be white or whatever you want to be black after that. Yeah. But Detroit first and always. I met Marino once. I I need to hear it because here's I Marino was almost a Viking. Didn't go well. <laughs> Marino, let me I, I want to hear about it, but I have to tell you, Marino, I think he's the I think Patrick Mahomes probably the most talented guy to ever throw a football. But Marino's right there. And it might be Marino. I think had he won a title, I think he's the greatest quarterback to ever throw a football. I I'll have this argument until people don't want to hang out with me anymore. He almost signed with the Vikings in 2000 for a year, wow. which would have been really fun. That was the big thing. When when they drafted Dante Culpepper, uh, Marino leaked out. He leaked it out recently, like in the last few years, that after Wanstead came in in that last year and he was out, he had two options to keep playing. One of them was Pittsburgh and one of them was, my, uh, one of them was Minnesota. And I... As a lifelong fan of him, that would have been really, really fun. I also, do you remember when he was on the CBS show? Marino, yeah, did the mornings. Have you ever seen any of the clips? He's He has to be the most insanely competitive man on the earth. <laughs> they would show him, because those guys sit in the studio and watch the game. They would show him, there's videos on YouTube, if they're still up, of him watching his records get broken and it's a level of rage. <laughs> it's Roy, what it's like is like a 30-year one-nighter road dog watching some kid open for him that he just found out got a set on Colbert. Like oh, that was yeah. the vibe. Oh God, the rage. Yeah. I, so I love Marino. Yeah, I, I got an invitation to the Dolphins facility. Um, I was good friends with a guy who at the time was a beat writer for the Dolphins. Um, and he and I went to college together. He goes, hey, man, you're doing a show down here. Come on out and welcome, come to the practice. So I figured, all right, I'll just wear a jersey. The only jersey I had at the time was a Miami Dolphins custom Jay Cutler jersey that I had made <laughs> as a joke. <laughs> And it was the year after they had released Cutler. Okay. Cutler was off in the summer or whatever on a yacht naked. I don't know if you remember that photo. But he was yes. Like on a yacht with some woman with his ass out or whatever. And so everybody used to call Jay. There used to be a meme on Twitter called Smoking Jay. Mm-hmm. Where when Jay Cutler was on the sideline, somebody added a cigarette to his mouth to make it look like he really didn't give a and like I think the play that defined Cutler's time in Miami was he was lined up in the Wildcat. Um, he was lined out wide, and he just straight up didn't even try to run the play. The, and the, the the action is happening away from him, but he doesn't even bother trying to sell it to the corner that's covering him. It was like the most laziest shit. So his name is dirt for the most part yeah. within the Dolphins organization. And then who comes on to the practice field today? <laughs> moron in a Jay Cutler jersey going, man, I'm so happy to meet you, Mr. Marino. And and like a guy pulls me to the side with another jersey. Hey, man, why don't you just go put this one on real quick? Just go. Out. They wouldn't even let me go outside to watch practice until I changed shirts. Huh? The only thing I can compare it to is like, 
when you I don't know if you've ever visited someone else's religious temple, mm-hmm. you know, you're breaking a custom because everyone's looking at you, but you don't know what you're doing wrong. Like, is my hat on? Should I take my shoes off? I'm wearing a Jay Cutler jersey at the f-ing Dolphins facility. F-ing me. And that like imagine waiting your entire career to meet the man that was like an icon to you but he represents the organization and you're wearing the jersey of a dude they just had to let go because he ran shit into the ground and it was just awkward for the rest of the day for me at the facility um <laughs> there's no, the first couple I mean, of minutes the, the people i met after they were very kind this is pre mike mcdaniel timeline this is the year after cutler left so this is like five years ago maybe six mm-hmm. it and then here's the other thing football is not that interesting to watch being practiced it is not i was happy for the invite i was happy for the access it was cool to see but in the bigger scheme of things i wish i could have met dan marino with an autograph show yeah and it probably would have gone a lot more smoother <laughs> And simpler, but you know, football is battle. It's two a days in the Florida sun. I just got done being hit by another grown man just two days ago. All the grown men hit me. I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, mess around right now. Get me out of here. Yeah, and I and I and I really think of all the professional athletes. Football players are the toughest. They are straight up gladiators, man. So yeah, there ain't a lot of chit chat. You just kind of wave if you look up and make eye contact with one of the players or something. But it was hope for a nod. Yeah. And then the only thing weirder than watching than having an all access pass to watch football, like I could smell the players like I was close. The only thing weirder than that is that people show up to watch this in the preseason. Like I went to a Titans practice just goofing off half drunk and there were people there like yeah man i'm here to i'm here to see the team and see all the ex- half these m- are getting cut <laughs> now i get it you get to see derrick henry up close mm-hmm. for free or eight dollars or whatever they charge but it was just such an like to see people excited about practice like you know you you know you you think you're a fan and then you go Oh, no, I'm not a fan. He's a fan. I just like him. <laughs> like, fans go watch practice. So when people are a football fan, I'm like, eh, you know, I met Dan Marino under bad, <laughs> under unfavorable conditions. So, you know, it, it's fine. It's fine to go watch him practice, but I'd just rather watch. I'm just good just watching the game. I like the games. I'm a big game guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's okay. I think that's okay to have your your limit. I talk about that a lot on the show. Like, I love the Vikings. I love watching them. My family watches them. It's been amazing to be a part of the organization doing this show. Um, but I I have a I think I have a good set of limits, and I think that's an important thing in sports. And I also think there are certain people who can handle. Like, I think it's an individual thing. Like, how what are you as a person able to handle in terms of emotional? like commitment and influence and stuff where all of a sudden you have like, I think one guy can watch uh, his favorite team all the time, watch the practice, listen to games and then be very normal. If I did that, Roy, I would be an absolute lunatic. I would be the most unenjoyable person on the planet. I have to set my boundaries and enjoy my team as a fan correctly. Or people will be like, Cy can't come to dinner. 
I hate him. He can't come. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I've tried to temper fandom. You know, I grew up selling, selling. So I was a stadium vendor at Alabama games uh, in high school. Oh, wow. So I've seen fandom. I've seen like people fighting about the early days of the SEC championship when it was still played in Birmingham, when it was still building the Georgia Dome. Oh, wow. 91, 92, the Gene Stallings National Championship team. I saw Peyton Manning in college, Jamal Lewis, the Steve Spurrier old ball coach days. Oh, man. With Danny Werfel and all of them motherfuckers. They all came through Birmingham. And the fights you would see in the bathroom between Florida fans and Alabama fans every year during those national championship, during those ACC championship days, that was like, oh, I'm not a fan. I just like Alabama. I'm not fighting strangers <laughs> on a piss-covered floor because <laughs> Eric Rick is a better running back than David Palmer. I'm not – I did that just for the Viking fans, by the way. <laughs> Shout out to the Dukes. So, like that, like oh, like when I when I saw the Cubs win the World Series, I'm a Cubs fan, and then I heard stories of like guys who during Game Seven took a radio and listened to the game next to their father's grave because their father never saw the Cubs. I'm not that big of a fan. <laughs> I'm happy for you. You don't love the Cubs enough to be a part of the start of a horror film? No, no. Like, what if a hand comes out the ground and goes, thank you, son, you did it. <laughs> Roy, you're the best, man. Well, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. I really appreciate it, dude. Thank you. Absolutely. That was the great Roy Wood. Now we need to talk about what's right in front of us. Uh, let's talk a little bit of Bengals. Let's talk a little bit of Saturday. Joining me to help with that, not just one, I have two human beings uh, from Cincinnati, fantastic comedian, longtime friend of mine, and a Bengals season ticket holder, the great Alex Schubert. Hey, buddy. Hey, Cyrus. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me on, man. I'm, I'm appreciative. And also joining me is uh, producer Jay Nelson, who I have forced to be on this show because he and I have been discussing this game all year long. I've spent a long time in Cincinnati. I, I've been looking forward to this game. I've been riding the roller coaster. I'm a fan that worries. We've established <laughs> that on the show. And earlier in the year, I was like, oh, shit. We have to go play Joe Burrow. And then I was like, oh boy, we get to play Jake Browning, Jay. And now, as you know, over the last two weeks via my text, my attitude has shifted to, oh shit, we have to go play Jake Browning. Yeah, you know, it's the enemy that we actually know, you know, with Jake Browning here at the Vikings for a handful of years. And the thing about Jake Browning is that he's been playing out of his mind the last couple of weeks. So for me... It's been fun to watch him do that and to see that, you know, whenever you see somebody that you know succeeding, especially in another spot, the problem now is that we actually have to face him. It's it's terrible. I, congratulations, Alex. I'm so happy that in a year <laughs> which, in which we are seeing our fourth quarterback, somehow one of our former backups is having a Lynn Sanity style moment. Also, <laughs> let's let's talk about how bizarre the quarterback carousel league-wide has been and for you guys especially i know down there when burrow went down half the city if not more were like it has to be aj mccarron 
and it has it has shifted quickly. There are a lot of people walking the streets of Cincinnati admitting they had the worst take a couple weeks ago. Because it was after the Pittsburgh game, the Bengals only put up 10 points against a meager Pittsburgh defense. And then we're like, we got to get A.J. McCarron in because he almost won a playoff game for us seven years ago. But then immediately, like when Browning blew up on Monday night, it's, <laughs> oh, we might be fine. And we're as just as surprised as you are. And it's crazy how fine you've been. I mean, that performance he put up against the Jags was bonkers. It dropped two 34-point performances. And I would dislike you and your team for it. But here's the thing. The, there are very few organizations, not just in football, but in professional sports, that go through the tortured fan base experience. Yes. Now, there are teams like the Jaguars who haven't done much of anything. They haven't been around that long. But I'm talking the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, the Cubs before they won the World Series. There are a small handful of these teams, Alex, and you and your fan base, it's it's hard to have any animosity for a team who's had it so horribly for so long. I remember, so I have a story about this. I was at a game in 2015. The Bengals started 8-0 that year. And the ninth game was a Monday night game against the Texans, which we lost. And it was a close game. We lost it. And there was one fan that shouted, same old Bengals. <laughs> I was like, you're eight and one. How? But shoes. What happened at the end of that season? AJ McCarron came in <laughs> and we thought we had a playoff victory. Same old Bengals. That man, you think that's a funny story. The man was right. And that's what I'm saying. That's why it's I can't attack the Bengals fan base. I think there's a kindred nature to our two teams. Now, that being said... I want you to lose and lose miserably on this. We have to play on Saturday, which is warping my brain as we approach the weekend. I don't, I don't, I know we're getting closer and closer to football every day of the week, but the Saturday thing just never sinks correctly in my brain. Uh, Jay, you have been uh, egging me on with, uh, here's what the people need to know about me. What I do every year is I emotionally circle on on the schedule games that I think we are going to succeed in and games that I think we're going to struggle in. And then there's this extra set of games that are games that we should succeed in and we won't. And you, as uh, a friend-slash-terrible person, <laughs> have taken a lot of... The moment Burrow went down, I was like, that's the one. Yeah. That's the one. I didn't, I didn't see the Bears coming. Yes. I did not see that one coming. But I've had this one circled, and you have been egging it on by showing... Basically, this Chase Brown thing. Chase Brown has been nuts for the Bengals. They, had, they have been terrible all season in the run. All of a sudden, they get their version of Devin A. Chan, their version of Tony Pollard, their version of who pick your fast, speedy, you know, lightning back. And their team is just entirely different. Well, what's crazy to me is that Joe Mixon has been just such a workhorse for those guys that he's been Mr. Reliable. And then for them to all of a sudden 
have their backup also blowing up here for the last couple of weeks. Like the thing that drives me nuts about that is you go, oh, we got one guy stopped and the next guy comes in, gives you a completely different look. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of when we had uh, Delvin Cook and Alexander Madison. You had a little bit of your, your thunder and lightning there with those guys. And so that's something that's really concerning me this weekend about what the heck are we going to see coming out of the backfield there in Cincinnati? That's the other thing. The AFC is wild. This isn't the Tom Brady AFC and it's not the even the Patrick Mahomes of last year or the year before AFC. Every single team seems beatable on any given week. If you told me that Joe Flacco and the Browns were going to be in the AFC championship, no shit, I would believe it. If you told I, I, there's not a team that you can tell me in the AFC that's in the picture that I wouldn't buy into on some level. And so on the scale of man, we thought our season was dead. And all of a sudden, two 34 point performances later, we got a shot to win the playoffs like that versus, oh, my God, if we had finally got healthy, T Higgins comes back, Chase Brown is back and everybody's playing. If we had Joe Burrow, we might be a Super Bowl contender. Like, where are you existing uh, on the emotional fan scale? Is it more just happy to be in the playoff race or more like, holy shit, if Joe Burrow wouldn't have got hurt, this could have maybe been our year with how wide open the AFC is. Well, for me, I know now that we have Burrow, I know that this is not out. Like we didn't lose our last chance because Burrow is out for the year, but he's also going to come back next year. He's going to have Chase. Maybe he has Higgins. Who knows? He'll have Boyd. He'll still have his full weapons around him and an improving offensive line. So with this year, I'm like, if we get a wild card win or even a divisional win, I'll be thrilled, especially with a backup. But now I'm going to push. I am going to push back on you. It's about to get weird for you. And I don't I don't mean to bully you on the show, but it's it's all I talk about this show for people who listen. They have to listen for the great guests because I say the same four or five things week in and week out. <laughs> uh, I already said this on the section with Roy, but. Your boy's getting paid. Yes, he is. Next, it starts. It's going to be really interesting. I'm fascinated by which guys can continue to elevate a roster when they don't have as good a roster as they had when they were on their rookie deal. So I I, I will say, because I, I was down in Cincinnati, spending time in Cincinnati when they went on their Super Bowl run that first year. Yep. It was fascinating to me. And I remember doing this as a kid when the 98 Vikings lost in the NFC Championship. I was crushed, but I also remember thinking, well, this is just the start. <laughs> We're going to do this a whole bunch of more times. And that was the vibe in Cincinnati. It was People were bummed, but everybody's like, well, see you next year. It doesn't work like that. I think that's kind of the hope right now. Like this year, the AFC is so wide open. There are six teams right now that are seven and six, and the Bengals are one of them. And it seems like of those six teams, the Bengals have the most momentum, maybe out of all six of them. Absolutely. And maybe weirdly, one of the least flawed teams, if Jake Browning can be a legitimate game manager. And Jay, that's why I've been scared of it the whole time. I, I think they just have a lot of pieces. And there aren't, interestingly, these two teams look a lot alike to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have they're running with a backup quarterback and all the weapons are getting healthy because we just found out Jefferson's going to play. Right. Thanks to the child reporter at the, uh, the the Christmas gifting event that he had. The kid was pressing him as he's walking down the aisle and then 
Justin actually admits, yeah, I'm going to be playing Saturday. Yeah, so no, for, for people who haven't seen that on social, uh, JJ and I believe KJ Osborne yep. were doing a uh, a gift thing with a, they brought a bunch of kids into Target, uh, bought a bunch of gifts. It's a really great video. But one of the kids just wouldn't let it go, Shubes. He was like, are you playing? Tell me. Are you like, he just kept going at him. And that's literally... There are reports all over the internet now that, and they don't even mention the kid. That's the crazy thing. I'll be on Instagram and it'll be like, breaking news, JJ says he'll play this weekend. Nobody cited the kid. (laughs) The kid is getting absolutely no credit. But Jay, that's it. They are, it is very, very similar teams. It's kind of that Spider-Man meme. Yeah. A bunch of weapons, a backup quarterback, a defense that can be really good, and let's see what happens. Yeah, and I think the thing for us right now is there's been this kind of backs-against-the-wall mentality for the last five games at this point. When Kirk went out after that, that Green Bay game, I think there was really a rallying within the locker room saying, like, season's not dead. We're, we're still fighting at this point. And so for us, it's been something where we've been in this kind of go mode for the last five games. And I think when you look at a team like Cincinnati, as dangerous as they are in multiple weapons, especially in offense, and then you're getting the backup quarterback, it's not like you're getting him one week off of you know his first start. You've seen a little bit of tape on him, and you've kind of known who he was inside this building. So at least for us, we kind of know what we're up against, and hopefully that's going to help with Flores' game plan going into the game here on Saturday. It'll be, Shubes, it's hard to not ask a very generic question right now. Okay. The Belichick coaching tree thrives against backup and rookie quarterbacks. Confusion is the name of the game, and Flores has played it very, very well all year long. I'm curious from your perspective, as a Bengals fan, what has to go right for your team this weekend? Like, answer this question. If blank happens on Sunday, the Bengals are probably going to win this game. So one area that the Bengals have massively struggled in, which the Vikings are one of the probably the best teams in the NFL, is the Bengals have really struggled to cover tight ends. And you guys happen to have one of the best tight ends in the NFL in TJ Hawkinson. And I'm, I'm not going to pile on here, but you and I have gone back and forth about this a lot because you got Irv Smith. Yeah. And uh, I have family members who I watched Jay. This offseason, when the Bengals got Irv Smith, I watched Shubes be enthusiastic about Irv Smith and hopeful. And then I watched family members of mine ridicule him. Sure. And it was a fascinating dynamic. And now we get to see Irv. It just hasn't turned out for you guys on tight end. You lost Hayden Hurst. You, You can't. You haven't put yards on the board on offense. But you're right. More importantly, you can't stop it. It's almost a two way problem. There was a tweet a couple weeks ago that I think a betting site put out that said, this man is going to score tonight. And it was a picture of Evan Ingram for the Bengals-Jags game. And he did on top of nine receptions and 82 yards. Yeah, Yeah, it's... And and I got to tell you, I think Hawkinson and the team need that. I think they need a get-right tight end week. So I would be happy for Zach Taylor and company to just lay that out for us. Now... Here's the thing. I might come to the game this weekend, Alex. Okay. Jay, one thing you need to know about Alex is he made a, I'm going to call it a lunatic decision. (laughs) He loves the Bengals, made a lunatic decision to buy a single season ticket. And that either means you're one of the biggest fans in the stadium or one of the biggest wild cards as a human being. Alex might be both. 
I was going to say, I think the answer has got to be both on that one. He's potentially both. It's both. But the Bengals fan base, this isn't Philadelphia. There's not there's not going to be an aggression down there. But Shubes, what is the what is the emotional vibe of the Bengals fan? Because it to me, if I had to describe it, I think that and this is how I think a lot of Viking fans feel, but I think they view themselves as Charlie Brown about to kick the football that Lucy's holding. <laughs> And it's just instead of him missing it, it just clanks off the upright. I, but the thing is, Shubes, you can't take that from us. Literally, Charlie Brown's from Minnesota at this point. <laughs> I was. I here's the thing: uh, we don't talk a lot of shit on this show, but I've known Alex for twelve years, and he's such a sweet person. I just teed you up for the <laughs> easiest comeback stab, and you were too nice to let it happen. I can't be a part of it. Uh, I don't talk a lot of trash, but I will talk it in this matchup. I but. I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I think it'll be wild to see Jake Browning. I never feel good playing a prominent player that used to be on our squad. I think professional athletes, no matter if they're a third stringer getting their first start or a Hall of Famer, they thrive on this shit. They love this. This is like the psychology that makes someone achieve at the highest level in athletics. You know, it, it drives the mentality that I expect Jake Browning to come out with something to prove. I expect this to be a a really, really tough game. I want to do predictions here, Shubes. We make everybody do it each week. Uh, I know you're going to be there on Saturday. What do you got in this game? What do you, what do you think the final score is going to be? Uh, I think if the Bengals can cover Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson, which very tall task, not possible. No, it's not, especially since we're down Cam Taylor, but which sucks. Um, But I'm going to say, for my sake, um, with the uncertainty that the Vikings have on court, because this is Nick Mullins' first start in like two years. So I'm going to say Bengals 23, Vikings 20. I'm sorry, Sai. Well, don't apologize. Be a grown-up. Um, the I, I refuse to apologize for my score prediction. And I'm not even going to – normally I tee it up. I'm not going to tee it up. I didn't like that apology. 13 for the Bengals, 138 for the Vikings. Okay. That's what I expect. It's not the Jay. The bit doesn't work that well when I deliver it like that. I just didn't like. <laughs> I didn't like being apologized to. I'm the one that worries about my team, not you. Thank you guys for doing it. I really appreciate it. Thanks to the great Roy Wood Jr., Alex Schubert, Jay Nelson. We will see you guys all next week. Join PA at the Roseville Buffalo Wild Wings from 9 to noon for Friday Football Feast presented by Coors Light. Enjoy food and drink specials and a chance to win Viking tickets and more. Visit vikings.com slash BWW for full schedule and details.